this, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. Well, hello and welcome to the Jay Allen Show. Hopefully you're off to a grand start of this week so far. I know it's Tuesday, but still it can be a grand start. Hopefully everything's going well inside of your neck of the woods, because that's always important. So thank you for everyone who has contacted me in regards of safetyfm.uk. Was it an interesting day for sure yesterday as we had it launch? And then the other one or the other thing that came about was the people reaching out to talk about black line, blue line, yellow line, orange line. Seems like a lot of people like that. So I'm sure we'll have some further discussions a little bit later down the road about it. Well, today is going to be a special, 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 special episode. I actually have the privilege today to speak to Emily Elrod. Now, the question that I have for you, are you familiar with Emily? If not, let me give you a little bit about her. Her clients describe her as energetic, wiser beyond her years, and the person that gets things done. Her husband describes her as a blonde, good mama, and animal philanthropist. If you ask her, she's just a lover of humanity, dark chocolate, and nouns. She will gladly nerd out on ways, peoples, places, and things can go from stress to strategic. She's gained this love for personal and professional experience. Emily once was a 21-year-old single mother fighting for her and her son's life. She was a lead agronomic engineer who loved people more than machines. She was also an award-winning health strategist who despised how programs were created, human workers and not human beings, even when the focus was not on health and safety. Well, today I have the privilege of speaking to Emily Elrod. Emily, welcome to the show. So I guess I have to ask the question starting off because I asked everybody the exact same question because it's the easiest one to start off with, but it also becomes the most difficult one. How did you get down this journey and why did you decide to go down this path? Because it looks like you're involved in safety to an extent. So how did you decide to do this? Oh, that's a funny one. Um, so I started off with a weird... I guess, career life, you would say. So my father actually invented a lot of the stuff that makes carpet in the textile industry. And so I was following in his footpath and I designed machinery for ergonomics, for safety, um, making sure that people were avoiding injuries and such. But what I learned from there is that I like people more than machines on most days. And I wanted to transition over into the people side of the equation because I actually have a background in or a, a degree. My degree and my master's is in health science, human science, and physiology, so how the body works. And so with that shift over, I got to learn a lot about how humans are designed and our behaviors that we do that sometimes can really sabotage us in essence in safety or it could be in wellness or just in life in general so it's kind of how i ended up here um now i'm my own company i'm blessed i have amazing people that work with me that are in the org development wellness safety space and we just have fun um okay and we'll get to that and i just want to make sure that i have an understanding of what you told me right there at the beginning you like people more than machines 
most of the time. <laughs> yes. So when when does this not happen in this fashion? Then? Ooh, um, oh, I can think of a few of them. And now remember, you do have a staff that is probably going to listen to this at some point. So keep that in mind as well. No, hey, I have the most <laughs> amazing staff. I will say they are rock stars and talk about one thing that we, we really go flow into psychological safety. Like they call me out and I call them out and we are honest with each other. If you ever like I do a podcast and on it, it's talk about being a hot human who is humble, open and transparent. That's our flow. That's what we do. It's all about being hot. Um, well, you, you do a podcast, but you also do of what I call a vodcast okay. as well, because I do see a lot of your posts on on LinkedIn video wise. Yeah. So how did that start for you? How, mm-hmm. What was the decision on jumping into, of course, the medium of being, being behind the camera and behind the microphone? Again, I like people more than machines on most days. <laughs> <laughs> but hold on. You're behind microphones and cameras. Those are all machine related to an extent. They are. But the, the flow of that is that I was not getting the people interaction that I wanted um, because of COVID, you know, it shuts everything down and I'm like, Oh, I am a people person. I need my people. And so how can I have my nerdy conversations about different subjects about how humans are designed um, and make it where, Hey, it's just like us talking, drinking coffee at a table, you know, and that's kind of what it was and how it morphed into is just getting with people and having conversations, not with people that are like like minded with me, but people that are like hearted, like we see same values and in the work of making, I guess, the world better for people in general. So when you say lighthearted, what are some of the dives that you take into inside of the podcast vodcast? Oh, um, a lot. Just how humans are made, because it's called unapologetically bold, I'm not sorry for. So a lot of the times we find ourselves apologizing for being a human at at work versus home. And there's like this very contrasting values that sometimes play out. And that is what happened in my corporate world. And just the dilemmas that come with you not getting to be your true self. So I always talk about how I'm not sorry. I was a single mom. Um, I'm not sorry for that and all the life lessons that it taught me. I'm not sorry that I am a business owner and I am doing a uh, this podcast or live stream, whatever you want to call it right now, the radio, while my kids are doing their work. Like, I'm not sorry for that. Like, I'm not sorry for being me and following my purpose, not being a quote unquote stay at home mom that should be in the kitchen um, that sometimes felt growing up was my destiny. And so that's what we talk to people about is what they're not sorry for. Um, and it's all different things. I had one person come on and she was not sorry for being wrongly incarcerated and being put in jail for six months with a, she had a 10 year sentence and how she found joy in a jail cell. Um, I'm not sorry. There's another one. Justin uh, De came on and about talking about the, the truth, the safety, like he's not sorry for recognizing everybody, you know, there's just different things that we have flowed through that that are around what we have on with Worksby. We have what is called a wise model. So mm-hmm. wellness of the full holistic well-being, intelligence, which is process improvement, but also emotional intelligence, safety, which also includes psychological safety and then empowerment. So basically, if they flow through those wise ones, we talk about it because we think it's a part of being a, a hot human. 
Well, I think it's interesting because I have to tell you a few days ago after we made a connection there on social media, I did go through and I found a video of you saying, I want to apologize. Yes. And I, and I was and you and then you said, boom, because and then you, if you want me to go into specifics, I can. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll leave it up to you. Okay. No. And I was amazed that you said, hey, that you had not been as bold as you present yourself. And I was like, that's pretty bold of you saying that in general. Yeah, what I find is a lot of people that like put out content the way that we do, it's it's things that we're working on. Like I'm working on daily to be unapologetically bold because mm-hmm. I have a pretense to always say I'm sorry for this. I'm a people again, I like people. I love to make people Not machines, not machines. <laughs> not machines. I can handle machines. I love I love making she- machines very efficient. Now I can get nerdy on that one. But again, it goes back to the people equation. Um, but for all that, it's just I've had to be bold in who I am and walking out in my purpose and just quit worrying what other people think sometimes because some sometimes it really can like hurt your progress. Because you care, oh, is this going to be a good idea? What do they think? Will they get likes? You know, just just do it. Who cares? So l- let's a- let me ask you about that, because this becomes a very interesting component, especially you being a business owner, a podcaster, we'll say a vlogger, just to kind of put a prettier term to it. As you're doing this and you're doing these things that are, quote unquote, non-apologetic, do you see that has also some impact in your business? where maybe a client might look at that and go, well, that was a little bit different than what I am accustomed to you bringing to the table. Has that occurred? Or is that something that you even concern yourself with? I always bring something that's different to the table. (laughs) Um, That's an odd joke when it comes to thinking, like, I don't know what happens in this brain sometime. So I think that's the reason why my clients like me. Um, and I'm blessed to be able to, you, you think they like you, they must like you. Remember <laughs> most, most companies actually hire the personality yes. is the way that it goes first. <laughs> yes. I'm blessed. I'm blessed to work with such amazing people. And the thing is, is what I bring is such a different approach to the world that we work in. And it's, it's not really that different. Um, these the things that I bring have been well, hold on. Don't, don't, don't give don't give away the secret sauce if it's different but not that different you don't want to you know you don't want your competitors to steal it up hey what I always say <laughs> is my father has ran that business for 25 years and he says never never look in the rearview mirror what your competitors are doing always be innovative and go forward and so in essence they'll be following in your footsteps and you're always going to be copied or something's going to happen for it. Um, and just think that that's a form of flattery. So with that, uh, when, when, they're, when they're mimicking your exact blueprint, I don't know if that's a form of flattery. I think it's uh, a version of, of direct ripoff. But that's my opinion. <laughs> well, they can only do so much um, because they got to have the personality behind it. Right. Um, right. But with that, we just, it, well, again, it, it's, it's things that people talk about. It's just how are humans designed? So, Whenever I was an engineer, like if something went wrong, like you come back and you talk to the engineer and it's like, hey, this is jacked up here, here and here. Um, But then you go into the people space and we don't look how one, we've designed our spaces or two, how we the human is designed to even interpret it. So one thing I always talk about in in, since this is a safety part, one of the, the things I cannot handle to hear at times is the safety saying, stop and think. 
So if anybody's hearing this and you came up with it, it's good in theory. But if you have a stressed out environment, it literally shuts off your learning centers of your brain. So people can stop, but they can't think. And they're going to rely on whatever safety mechanism and tool and machine that you created for to compensate for what they should be thinking. And so those are kind of the things that we come in and we look. It's like, let's look at the behavior side and how our thoughts lead to our feelings, which leads to our actions, which ultimately leads to our behaviors. And look at those equations. How are humans designed? How are they made? So let me ask that then, being as we've gotten to this particular portion, as you look at then at this, then do you look at behavior when you're when you're talking about safety? Is that what you're looking at in particular? Is that how you take the approach to it? Uh, yes. Well, the cool thing is, is in physiology, there's this thing called serotonin. I call it our safety cop of our body. So what we look at is how is that being affected by the environment? Stress is one. We know sleep. Um, cool thing that people can do with their claims that I found is that you can see safety incidents or accidents correlated with the hours that people work. So if they're working three, four shifts, you're more likely to have an accident. It would be common sense, you think, but we still have places in public. Oh, you said that? You said that out loud. I cannot believe that. Common sense and tied that in together inside of something talking about safety and working. Oh, my God. We're going to all get in trouble. We're all going to hell now. I know for sure. I know. (laughs) But that's the thing is we've, again, going back to the machine thing, we kind of compensated with some machines with processes and policies that we've created to basically make us human robots instead of human beings and use our brains. And we see, I talked to somebody the other day about falls, like fall protection, still the number one thing. We're still talking about it. We're still doing the same drills and trainings. And it's just like, wait up a minute. Like can, can insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, but expecting a different result. So if they're not engaged, they think it's cool for a minute to watch something fall and then a check, you know, like um, and how a human possibly can break into a billion pieces. Um, But that doesn't really sink in with them. So how do we make it a behavior? How do we make it a habit for them to uh, check on their brothers, check on their sisters in safety, you know? And but then also for you to even be able to care for others, you got to care for yourself first. You got to have awareness, the sleep. Um, and that's why safety and wellness flow together for us, because it's all in the body together. So as you take a look at this and you go into organizations and you start having this conversation, how does this normally go about? Does somebody contact you because they're realizing that they're having a problem or do they contact you because they already had a problem? <laughs> Usually already had, typically. Okay. Um, and they want something new and different. And that is one thing. But the other one is to <laughs> safety, again, has always been said the same way. And I had somebody the other day tell me, he goes, this is something new. And he goes, this may stick. And I'm like, well, I hope so. That's my goal. <laughs> um, <laughs> we've never heard about safety being talked about, like how we're designed and, and, and how we're made and, and that it's actually in us. And it there's another thing that we talk about is growth mindset. So when people know that it's within them and that's how they're made and they're designed, they're more likely to accept it in essence and have more of a growth mindset than a fixed one. And so 
that has been an interesting mix on it with the increased engagement, I would say. Okay, but you're going to have to hold on real quick because not everybody's going to know exactly what you're talking about there between the growth mindset and the fixed mindset. I know a lot of people that play inside of the world of psychology will know about that, but you're probably going to have to go into a little bit more specific about that. Okay, so a growth mindset. I mean, well, let, let, let me rephrase that. You don't have to, but if you want them to follow along here, you might want to bring it up. <laughs> okay, so and that's the thing. I feel like everybody should know what this is. My kids are being taught this in kindergarten. So um, it's starting to be put more into learning, which is what I love. But growth mindset, in essence, is that you feel like you can adapt, you can overcome and that you're not a product of your situation. Um, In essence, if something comes at you, you believe and you have the mindset that you will be resilient, you'll be able to overcome and bounce back from it in a very broad, broad term of how it goes. Where a fixed mindset... Right. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Sorry. Where a fixed mindset is like, it's this way. It's always been this way. It's always going to happen this way. You're fixed. It's it's not going to do much for you. So um, you feel like you're a product of your raising. You feel like you're a product of your moment. You are fixed in this moment and you can't change it. You can't do anything to adapt or overcome or no behaviors can happen from it. So, which I know you have a background in PhD in all this. So you might can explain it a little bit better. No, no, no. I, I think you're spot on in regards on how you're actually explaining it. Now, here's the fun part is that I'm noticing exactly how you are. They're trying to show this actually even in schools now at a younger age for them to for the students to have a better understanding of exactly what's going on. Because I think that that's really what we've noticed as we've been going through the journey that people are adaptable, but sometimes people don't want to acknowledge that right away, which has become very interesting as we go out through this particular journey. Now, I don't want to turn around and make this about me and my stuff. I'm more interested in what you have going on. I can talk to myself all the time. So that's that's not a big thing here. So you go there, you talk about this, you start changing. Now, do you go back several times as you're going through this? Or do you have like advocates inside of the organization that are let's say strong belief, I'm going to use the word believers. And I know people normally think that I'm talking about religion, but when you get to safety, you almost have to become an evangelist Mm -hmm. when it comes to these things. So do you have people that are following along with what you're kind of the letter of the law, what you're talking about, or how does that come about? So you have to have the, in essence, you have to be the evangelist. You have to have the followers because if you ever get an email from me, it says the kiss of death is to be the genius with 10,000 helpers instead be the genius with 10,000 geniuses. And the aspect of that is the people I typically work with, I work with all all sizes, but I do have a few Fortune 500 companies. I can't be everywhere and I don't want to be all and be everything for everyone. People are amazing. And this is awful. And I love that people have me as a consultant and come in and do the work. But half the time, you actually don't need consultants. If you just took the time to ask your people what to do and censor her right away, block her, mute her. She, she's giving away all the trade secrets. No, that you're, you're, you're so spot on. Realistically, the ideas do come from the field. And I'm sorry for rudely interrupting you, but you're right. You're absolutely right. A lot of organizations don't even realize that, that some of the best ideas that were going to come about do come from exactly inside of their organization from their field. Exactly. Cause I can't know how to go in and change a machine over. I don't know how your actual safety processes are exactly. I can hear and I can be a third party neutral, but I 
you guys know it. Like who's ever doing it knows what to do and they know it best. So why not use that to your advantage? Like they've probably been doing it for 20, 30 years and had these thoughts like, wouldn't it be cool if we did X, Y, and Z? Um, but they just kept on the <laughs> Like I literally had a guy the other day that said, yeah, I've been thinking about this for five years. I'm like, and you're just now telling me? Like, and, it, and it's like, a <laughs> like he kept it in like, and it's going back, I guess, to that unapologetically bold. Like, he doesn't even have a, enough confidence. Or it could be the other part that he might be scared that he may look dumb or his thought might be dumb. And it's something that he's just thought and turned and earned on for so long that he's just like, eh, never mind. So do you think that when you go to an organization, then you're helping empowering some of the people that are already there? Is that the way that you look at it? Oh, yeah. It's their idea. Um, again, so no knock to the men of the world. I love like I, oh, that. That's a knock. That is definitely a knock. Any conver- anything that starts off that way, I am blah. That is what it is. Exactly is. Okay, Come on. So slightly a knock. Um, <laughs> these guys are awesome. So I'm blessed. But first, whenever I went into designing and engineering, like I was the only girl. Like, and this was about ten years ago. And with that, there's what I found is that they believed I could not do the engineering aspect of it and the design of it, even though I've been doing it in essence since I was 10 years old, um, because I'd been in the shop, I'd been taught, um, I could out AutoCAD anybody, you know, um, but it was so frustrating But what I learned from there is like, okay, how can I overcome this frustration? And what I did is like, make it their idea. It's their idea. When it was their idea, it sold like, and like, I didn't have to work as hard. I'm like, okay, how can I do this? And that's in essence what I do. If it's people's idea, they're more likely to take ownership of it. I don't want it to be mine because I'd be the only one basically giving the law down and nobody wants to follow that. So what can I do to gain, um, believers or followers in a way that they can take it on and maybe even take it to a better level than I ever thought I could. You know, it's interesting that you say that I interview quite a few people and I have a very large amount of females that I speak with that say that exactly (laughs) that they have to make it appear as that it's the person that they might be reporting to or a guy in particular for them to be able to move forward within the organization for that. Now, as you've seen this, how did you have to be able to almost separate yourself to be able to get that to work? Uh, you got to take back your ego because in the end I had a goal and I just wanted to, to work on how can I accomplish this goal? And it's again, going back to the process and, and nerding out on that. It's like, it was failure after failure. I got to learn from it. It's not working. So what will, and just looking at processes and figuring out this is how this relates to people. And they, a lot of times they haven't even been heard or listened to for so many years that whenever you just pop up and you're just there to listen and then let them know, hey, your idea can actually happen. Let's just talk to a few amazing people and get a round table and see what we can do with it and go from there. Like it is taking what I always say is that knowledge is not always power. It's knowledge and action is because knowledge and action is wisdom. Because if you just sit on that knowledge, it doesn't do anything with you. So if people are coming to me, if if I feel like 
I can't break through or get through. I'm going to have to take that knowledge and do something about it. No, I, and I think you're spot on. I really do, because think about it, even based on what you were saying earlier, you referenced that some of the people you get the information exactly when you go into an organization because they have very knowledgeable people that are on the field or already inside of the organization. And that's knowledge that is sitting there that they're not using. Mm-hmm. And without action, nothing's going on. So, and believe me, I'm not trying to, you know, f- scoot away from consultants and all that, because sometimes you need some of that just to kind of get the the motor running inside of some organizations, but you're spot on when you say this. So what would you say percentage wise you see when you go into an organization where you see that this is actually occurring, where a female has to downplay her knowledge base to be able to move on? <laughs> That's an interesting question. Oh, I, I, come on, come on. You know that we're all, nobody's listening. It's just you and I. Right? No, <laughs> no, that isn't, I really have never truly thought of that. I just think it's my experience at times because a, the women that I know are very confident in their abilities that in the rooms, in the, in the C-suites that we're sitting in, they don't play it off that way. But I don't think that they got to that level without being that confident or having that confidence with it. So would I say going back to my younger days and, and maybe speaking with more of the beginner level or the newer people coming in. I bet there are, I bet I, I would bet that probably 60 to 70% probably have that some, some form of opinion on it. Okay. So let me, let me ask you this then when you decided to go out on your own and you started your own business and you were going after organizations, did you have fear that you would be held back because you're a woman? <laughs> Right now in the timing, some people are checking the box for a woman. Okay. More than I would say at times that that me being a female, coming into safety, I guess, at times, are like, hey, do you actually know what you're talking about? But that's very few and foremost. If somebody's coming to me, they usually have a general idea and they know what I do in my, the work that I do. It doesn't matter my gender. I will say my age and how I look, I look like I'm 12 and I'm 14. So I'm tea tiny and I look young. Um, so that has been. Oh, oh, my God. That has to change so many perspectives when you go out to an or- when you go out to an organization, especially if you're out in the field. Then Yes. Yes, it does. It, okay. it makes they're like, oh, who is that child walking by? I'm only laughing because you said it. I am laughing because you said it. If not, I would not be laughing at all. Just want to make sure. <laughs> no, no, literally. Interesting. My daughter the other day told somebody that she thought that um, I was a child. So, and it's, it's okay. It's just stuff I deal with. But that, but for me, it's things that I know my body. I know myself. And the importance and what we talk a lot about is owning yourself so others don't own you. Walk out in your confidence, walk out in who you are and just learn and grow. So once they get over that first initial that you're not, that I'm not 12 and I'm I'm actually halfway smart, then we can get into the conversations. But assumptions are always going to happen. I can't avoid them. I, I think I would play into the whole thing. Just try to pretend that you're a child and that you have so much knowledge and safety. Just, I mean, use whatever angle you can, of course. Yes. Um, I got my degree and my master's when I was six years old. 
I mean, for the people that are in my age demo, you can say Doogie Hauser. They'll know exactly what you're talking about. People in the millennials are probably going to be like, what the hell does that even mean? But that's a whole other story. Yeah, maybe. So, <laughs> so what do you enjoy the most out of the things that you do? Because you do several different things. I've noticed that, you know, when the more information I was able to find about you, you don't limit yourself and you do some different things. Now, as far as I went back, there is something on there that I'm not sure if you want me to talk about it, but I want to mention it. Um, you at one point were a model as well. Oh, God, yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> I was. Why? Oh, God, yes. I mean, it's something that you did. Yeah. So I try, I try to like, I don't know. There's That has taught me so much about life. Because whenever you model, the interesting aspect of that is that everything is critiqued about you. And one of the things that I have found in the work that I do is that so many people struggle with perfection. It's like, how do we have the perfect conversation? How do we get this out? Like the right way. Do we get the lights on it? Will we get agreement from the C-suite? Like all these different things that come with it. Cause they have to make it perfect uh, for them to go forward. So what I found is a lot of times is that perfection really hurts action. And so what we talk a lot about is progression. And I and I'll say I learned that from my modeling days that it's all about learning how to make yourself look better in the next next pose next and like people think like modeling oh they just smile and they wave you know or whatnot it actually yeah, it's more to that but it, it's still it's a life lesson that taught me something um, and it's also something that I will say that I try to stray away from to a bit because there's a lot of vanity with it. And the people pleasing aspect of it, really all that, I guess you would say comes together to make who I am today, to be unapologetically bold, not worrying what people think, not wanting to be this perfect human, um, but just being me and being real. So a couple questions there then, were you interested in modeling first or the physiology portion first, which one came, came to path uh, definitely uh, modeling because it paid $65 an hour and I was in college. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. Okay. Um, <laughs> it was a pretty. Hey, <laughs> it's honest. It's honest. I like it. For sure. I like it. So as you look at this, has this kind of, and it's a terrible word, but I'm going to use it anyways. Do you feel that this has jaded you and how you look at certain things because of, you know, the glitz and the glam of the modeling world and then which it's perceived by the public. So when you look at things now, especially when you're diving into into organizations, do you kind of look through the through the the malarkey, as people would say, before you are able to find some of the deep dives? You know, kind of like the Steve Jobs approach where it's they always he always said that it needs to be pretty on the outside and on the inside. Do you when you go in there, do you take a look and go, hey, because of my modeling experience? I can see, you know, what is glitz and glam before you can really get into the very good stuff that might be hidden inside of the organization. Yeah, I would say that that did flow through to it. I would say more my background and just how humans are designed. Like, I'm really good at reading people and the ability to see if they're they're just calling BS on things. Um, oh, God. Oh, what are you going to say about me when this is done? I'm now I'm getting a little worried. No. I can't see your facial expressions. I love reading facial expressions. I love reading people. Um, the quick read that I can have is you're real. And that's what I like. Um, you, in essence, would be described as a hot human who is humble, open, and transparent. Like, 
I can tell by the ability for you to even look back on things that most people don't even ask about and be in my modeling. So you have an eye for, in essence, investigation and seeing things. So that's cool for me. Um, And it makes me have a fun conversation. Again, I think people are cool. So I'm all about talking and learning and growing from others. Well, and I, and I, I appreciate what you said there. Um, I, I guess because of my research background, that's what I do. I, I try to look at these things that most people normally would not approach. Um, and then I normally sometimes get in trouble when I do approach them. But <laughs> if it's there, if it's on the web, I can normally find it. It's not that difficult to do. So now if people want to know more about you and your organization and the podcast, what do they need to do? Uh, so you can find me on LinkedIn at Emily Elrod. MHS, so Masters of Health Science. Um, or you can also go to worksby.com. It's W-O-R-K-Z-B-E.com. So worksby. Well, Emily, I have to tell you, we're going to have to do this again. This could not just be a one-off and it never happen again. I really did enjoy the time today with you. I appreciate you coming on to the show. Well, thank you. It was fun. Well, this brings another episode of the Jay Allen Show to an end. I hope you enjoyed our conversation today with Emily Elrod. I enjoyed it so much that I have made Emily an offer. Emily will be coming on with her show unapologetically bold to the Safety FM network. Be on the lookout for some more information on that. Anyways, if you want to know more about what we have going on at Safety FM, you can go to safetyfm.com for more information. Keep in mind that we stream across the multiverse of Safety FM 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can go to safetyfm.com to find out more information or to download the iOS app or the Apple app or even the Alexa skill. Safety FM is the home of real safety talk. This will bring this episode of the Jay Allen Show to an end. We'll be back before too long. Goodbye for now. Want more of the Jay Allen Show? Go to safetyfm.com. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen.